is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Well, with more people living longer and wanting to remain active throughout their lives, it's estimated that more than 7 million Americans are living with an artificial knee or hip. And with increasing surgical advances, these procedures are becoming more efficient and less complicated, or having less complications. Here with more on all of this is Dr. Timothy Damron. He's Vice Chairman of the Department of Orthopedic Surgery. He's the David G. Murray Professor of Orthopedics. He's Professor of Orthopedic Oncology and Total Joint Reconstructive Surgery at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Damron. Thanks so much for coming in. Hi, Linda. So let's start by discussing what are the underlying conditions or problems that cause people to need either a hip or a joint replaced, uh, hip or knee replacement? Well, basically, the umbrella of arthritis captures pretty much everything. But within that, there's osteoarthritis, or what most people refer to as degenerative arthritis. And then there's all of the inflammatory arthritis. And those include things like rheumatoid arthritis or arthritis associated with psoriatic arthritis. Um, there's various sorts of inflammatory conditions like that. So the actual, it's arthritis is the umbrella for all of this, but they can be caused by a whole variety of either, it, it could be an autoimmune type of problem or just a, a, a function of aging with yes, osteoarthritis? Yes, most commonly it's uh, aging and wear and repetitive use. It can also be due to trauma, injuries, fractures, that sort of thing. So basically, in, if you live long enough, many of us or most of us will probably come up against this idea of needing some kind of a joint replacement, a hip and or a knee. It certainly becomes more prevalent as we age, mm -hmm. and there is certainly a genetic component to it. So it doesn't mean that every patient that's beyond a certain age will get it, but uh, it certainly becomes more prevalent as we age. But there are other treatments that are more um, conservative than um, actually replacing the joint. What are some of those options for, for individuals who have that kind of arthritis? Well, that's correct. And, of course, always we start with those conservative measures. And those include things like over-the-counter medications, anti-inflammatory medications, analgesic medications, prescription strength medications. Uh, physical therapy always, almost always plays a role. Exercises, maintaining your health, uh, your fitness uh, is, a, is an important role. We do injections as well. Uh, we can do cortisone injections, injections of uh, hyogen-type compounds that uh, increase the lubrication within the joint. Uh, there's also bracing. So there's a number of measures that can be done that are non-operative. Do they also, I mean, there's been talk over the years about this chondroitin and, you know, different kinds of supplements that people can take. Is there any validity to those? There's not very much scientific validity, but there's very little downside except that you know, you have to pay out of pocket for those, and they can be quite ex expensive. What about things like the, you were talking about injections, and is that hyaluronic acid? Is that one of the things? Is that said to build cartilage where there is no longer the cartilage needed? Or, I mean, help us understand that. Well, that was one of the first thoughts, that it would build up the cartilage. But it turns out it doesn't really do that. It just helps with pain relief initially. And actually, there have been randomized prospective studies comparing it to cortisone, and it doesn't really do much better than cortisone itself. So uh, I typically use it in patients that still have some preservation of cartilage so that we don't damage the cartilage with repetitive steroid injections. I see. So now there's this new procedure, or relatively new procedure, and it's for both total hip and partial knee replacements called macoplasty. Can you tell us what that is? 
Makoplasty is a tool that helps us during either a total hip replacement or a partial knee replacement to help improve the accuracy of the placement of the components. Uh, it doesn't have anything to do with the actual components themselves. The components are just the same. Meaning the prostheses themselves the prostheses. are not any different. That's correct. The same prostheses will be used whether we use the makoplasty procedure or not. Uh, the actual procedure itself otherwise doesn't really differ. The approaches don't really differ. We can use the makoplasty with any approach. So it's really just a tool that we can use interoperatively to improve the accuracy of the placement of the prosthetic components. So explain exactly what it is then. I mean, it's CT guided, so it's you've got imagery, very high resolution imagery guiding you to do what? or And how is it being guided? So the first step is that the patient is selected for the procedure, and we feel that they're a candidate for using the robotics. Then we get a CAT scan of the respective body part. So if it's the knee, we do a CAT scan of the knee. If it's the hip, then we do a CAT scan of the hip and the pelvis, and that goes down in the lower extremities. And that is a little bit of additional radiation exposure, but uh, it's a, a nominal amount, and it doesn't really increase the risks of uh, having any significant problems. So it's not necessarily simultaneous to the procedure. It's The CT scan is in, in advance of the procedure. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. The CT scan has to be done in advance so that we can template and prepare for the procedure. And uh, just to interrupt you for one moment, you mentioned, you said robotic-assisted, and I don't think we talked about that before. So a key element of this makoplasty procedure is that it's basically... The surgeon is sitting at a some kind of a console, right? A little bit like with a joystick, and you are basically <clears throat> doing a robotic procedure. Well, that's sort of the um, fallacy that people see when they are, you know, told that they're going to have a robotic-assisted surgery, and you know, you often envision the surgeon sitting in a separate room drinking coffee and you know, kind of like you say, using a joystick and performing the procedure, but it's actually not at all like that. It's what we call haptorobotics. So we're actually controlling the instruments. The robot just keeps us in the position so that we do the precise preparation that needs to be done so there's minimal bone loss and so that we keep it in the position that will give us the patient the best function. So the other part of it, after we get the CAT scan, is that that's programmed into the robot. So the robot has the CAT scan information preoperatively. We template and determine exactly how we want to put the prosthesis in so we can look at that preparation before we actually even make the incision. We'll know what size of prosthesis we want to use in, on both sides of the joint, and we'll know uh, what, how we're going to change the relationships of the leg so that uh, after the operation is done, we'll be able to correct that in a very patient-specific fashion. So it takes the guesswork a little bit out of the surgery. Exactly. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with orthopedic surgeon Dr. Timothy Dameron, and we're talking about makoplasty for knee and hip replacements. So let's go to the knee. Who is a, a, a candidate for this kind of procedure? So the patient that's a candidate for a robotic-assisted knee replacement is a much more selected patient than it is for hip replacements. The patient has to be a candidate for a partial knee replacement because at this point in time, we're not ready to do these by total knee, although we will be in uh, early to mid-2017. So for a partial knee replacement candidate has to have symptoms that are isolated to one of the three compartments in the knee, 
either the inner side, the medial side, the outside or the lateral side, or underneath the kneecap. Now, occasionally, they can have symptoms isolated to two of the three compartments because we can do bicompartmental replacements with the makoplasty as well. If the patient has symptoms and corresponding x-rays that are isolated to that one compartment, then they might be a candidate for the makoplasty procedure. But we always tell them that when we get in there and open up the knee, we'll take one last look at the knee, and if it looks too severe, we always have the option at that point of converting to a more standard total knee replacement. A conventional way of doing it, and then you would just replace it with a full prosthetic knee. Correct, and the full prosthetic knee replaces all three compartments at the same time. So what are the advantages, basically, of doing a partial knee with makoplasty as opposed to doing it the old way? So the knock against a partial knee replacement in the past have, has been that there have been early failures, and those early failures have been attributed to poor positioning and poor alignment. And the makoplasty provides us with a more precise alignment that in, improves that situation so that hopefully in the long run it will improve the longevity of the prosthesis. How about outcomes and how about other, other types of issues like things like the length of time that you're, you're laid up, the pain following it, potential for infections, do any of those things change? Not specifically with the makoplasty itself, but in comparing a partial knee replacement to a total knee replacement, there's a big advantage in terms of recovery. It's a much quicker recovery with a partial knee replacement than with a total. And because we're much more confident now doing the partial knee replacements because of the makoplasty, we can get those patients that need it rather than those that previously might have had a total knee replacement and struggled with their rehabilitation for a longer period of time and get them the right care that they need. So in a way, they're really maintaining their original knee, so to speak, but you're, you're, you're kind of correcting little parts of it that aren't working right. Is that is that a layman's approach? In a sense, yes. We're, again, we're only removing the cartilage and the bone in the compartment that's damaged. We're preserving all four of the ligaments, whereas with a total knee replacement, we're taking at least one or two of those ligaments out. So where is this being done? I mean, is this being done nationwide at this point? Yes, absolutely. It's been done nationwide now for a few years. Um, some people may be familiar with the da Vinci, and I think uh, we're on a very early part of the curve, similar to what the da Vinci was on. Uh, a lot of institutions uh, use the makoplasty now. We happen to be the only one in the Syracuse area that has the uh, tools to be able to do makoplasty procedures. How about um, for hips now? We were talking about the partial knee and why that's an advantage. Obviously, that's a key advantage for anybody who's active and wants to kind of get out there again quickly. I would probably opt for a partial if I could. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not a candidate at this point, but if I were to become one, I would probably opt for the partial, so I understand those benefits. But how about with a, with a total hip replacement? Who is a candidate for that? So just about every patient that undergoes a total hip replacement is a candidate for use of the makoplasty because, again, it is to align the precision more precisely uh, or align the position more precisely. So the importance of, rep, of uh, improving the position is that it uh, improves stability and it improves range of motion. One of the most common complications after hip replacement is hip dislocation. And so if you have the cup in the right position, then there's less likelihood that that would happen. So go ahead. I'm sorry. And in addition, impingement is one thing that happens if you don't have good range of motion. And that impingement has been associated with early loosening of the prosthesis. 
So <clears throat> by putting the cup in the right position, then we decrease impingement and hopefully we'll improve the longevity of the prosthesis. And there's some early evidence that that will be the case. Actually, that was my next question was, do these improvements, do these prostheses last longer as a result of the mechanism by which they're placed? Well, only time will tell. It's going to take a long time to really sort that out. But uh, early results suggest that the, uh, the longevity of these is going to be very good. So do you think that these are a vast, that the, the makoplasty allows for a vast improvement over the conventional procedure for hip replacement as well? Well, there's been definite evidence that shows that the position of the component is much more precise and within the safe range when compared to conventional techniques. But how about things like recovery time? You said obviously with the partial knee there's an improved recovery time. Does that also improve using the makoplasty with hips or is it pretty much the same as conventional? No, that doesn't really change. And in fact, none of the complications uh, other than limb length and dislocation change. So those are the two potential improvements with use of the makoplasty is the decreased dislocation rate and the more precise fine-tuning of leg lengths. The, decrease, or the difference in leg lengths after total hip replacement is one of the more common sources of litigation and dissatisfaction after hip replacement. And typically with a makoplasty total hip replacement, we can get within three millimeters of the opposite side. So in a sense, it's really a, quite a bit of an improvement. It's a dramatic improvement. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing that with us. I think, you know, many of us, if we're lucky enough to live long, will be facing that kind of a decision. And I appreciate that this new technology is available for us right here in, in this uh, region, in our area. My guest has been Dr. Timothy Damron. He's vice chairman of the Department of Orthopedic Surgery. He's the David G. Murray Professor of Orthopedics, Professor of Orthopedic Oncology, and the Total Joint Reconstructive Surgery Program at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.